Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. Today, instead of talking about cult stuff, I know we said we were going to maybe talk about that this week, but we, we switched it up a little bit. Instead, we are talking about a rhizomatic approach to finding new-to-you music, which I will define that for you, The Comfort of Mysteries, and Dark Lane Anthology Volume 9, in which I have a new story. I'm very excited, and in case you couldn't tell, the rhizomatic approach to finding new-to-you music is a KW topic. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be a little a little obscure and, and esoteric sometimes. <laughs> And we love it. Well, I hope so. I hope, people, <laughs> I hope the listeners love it. And also, it's been actually a couple weeks since we recorded because we had a bunch mm-hmm. of interview segments and things, and we had a bunch of stuff pre-recorded. So we've taken a little bit of time off, even though you've been getting episodes every week. So it's actually been a while since I've heard your voice. How are you doing? I know. I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm getting a little, I'm a little over working from home, a little over <laughs> being stuck, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You feel similarly? Are you sick of working from home and stuff? Well, I'm actually going back tomorrow. Oh. Um, not full time. I am scheduled to go back three days a week out of five. So it'll be interesting. Okay. We'll see what happens. I'm actually kind of torn because I think there are both good and bad things about going back. Yeah. And we're taking social distance measures and safety measures. So. Well, I hope, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine and at least it's something to do and a place to go and that's good. Exactly. I've been freelancing, uh, which is awesome. I love it, but it's also cool. like, it's the same kind of thing. I'm just working in my home office every day and mm-hmm. and it's just kind of getting to me. I think I think if I want to switch it up, I'm going to have to like move my computer into a different room or something, just <laughs> get a change of scenery. Yeah, do some feng shui. Yeah. I used to, I mean, I used to like work from home anyway, but I would go to coffee houses and libraries and stuff and mm-hmm. that's not really too much of an option. It technically is, but I don't want to do that yet, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Still, after three months, still getting used to the new normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we're still healthy. And for our listeners, the, the bummer thing about this, too, is that we conceived of this podcast last year at a convention we were both at. And that convention is canceled for this summer, as well as some other conventions that we would normally go to together. And so we might go this whole year without seeing each other in person. Which is weird. It's super weird. It's been a long time yeah. since that's, I don't think that's happened since I met you. So we live in different states, but we usually will get together in person a couple times a year. And mm-hmm. yes, yeah, it's, it's dumb. Yeah. And you also had a trip, not scheduled, but we had been talking about a trip maybe last April. Yeah. Where you and, and our friend Rachel would come out to Pittsburgh and that didn't happen, obviously. So yeah. we could have recorded a live segment with her. Yeah, Pittsburgh. that would have been fun, but it's going to happen. It's okay. Everything will be fine <laughs> someday. But- it will. But the other thing about summertime, you know, that's been affected by the pandemic is sports. Yeah. We've lost a lot of sports stuff this summer. So, yeah, you were you were going to mention some things that, that are happening. And I want to mention some sports things that are happening. So what's what's going on in the world of sports, Carrie? All right. So everyone knows, I think, that I'm really into women's sports. And the National Women's Soccer League is officially the first, I think, American Pro League that's back And what they're doing instead of a regular season, that's months long. They're doing just a tournament style called the Challenge Cup. And basically all the teams are, well, 
eight out of the nine teams are out in Utah and they live in like little bubble villages. Oh. <laughs> I know, it's so cute. So what's happening is they're playing this Challenge Cup and it's going through the end of July. Uh-huh. So we've got a lot of soccer to look forward to if that's what you're into. The first game that has already happened and then the last game will be on CBS, regular CBS. Oh, cool. But the rest of the games are on CBS All Access. Okay. Cool. So we got that for the month, and we're kind of set. We've been watching a lot of the games. The only thing is Orlando, which is a team that I really like because it has some players that I really like on it. Mm-hmm. They had to pull out of, out of the tournament <gasps> because, yeah, they had some positive COVID tests. Oh, no. Yeah, which oh. is really kind of sad. But since Washington Spirit in D.C. is the closest team geographically, they're my team. So <laughs> I will be rooting for them. If you're not rooting for them, please don't tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a team that's geographically closer to me, though? Is there like a Chicago team or a... There is a Chicago team, Chicago Red Stars. I might have to... I mean, I assume there's no Ohio teams. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think Chicago is probably closer to me than DC is to me, so... Yeah, probably. Oh, man. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) They've got some good players, too. It's cool. Okay. It's fine. (laughs) As long as you don't root for the North Carolina Courage. Oh, but I have I have family from North Carolina. I can't. I don't know. Oh, that's hard. Oh, well. I know. I'm just kidding. They're just kind of like the Yankees of, of women's soccer. Oh. Like, they're just so good that I can't like them. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe I'll take a look at the teams and see what I want to root for. But I, I do have CBS All Access, and I've been enjoying that. Nice. Various things on there. A little bit more than I thought I would. I actually... We watch kind of a lot of stuff on there, so maybe I'll cool. put some soccer on in the background and see what yeah, I think. Yeah, awesome. It's it's definitely great for putting on in the background while you're while you're doing other stuff. But I hope you enjoy some games. I am of course teasing about not supporting my team. You can support whatever team you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if if DC gets statehood, that could be a yeah. whole kind of exciting, you know. As they're as they're working through their season, they they achieve statehood. That could be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be cool. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. So I've been watching the soccer, and mm-hmm. you have some stuff to say about baseball, right? Well, okay. I, you know, I'm not as big of a sports fan as you are, but one sport that off and on I sometimes will pay at least a little bit of attention to and have since I was younger is baseball. And last year, I actually went to a Dayton Dragons game, which is my local minor league baseball nice. team. And I actually had a lot more fun at it than I thought I would. And I was kind of excited for the what would have been the current season to maybe, you know, go to a game or something. But minor mm-hmm. league baseball is not happening this year at all. And that's right. kind of a bummer. And it's it's also sort of scary because um, the Dragons are a feeder team for the Cincinnati Reds. And with MLB is doing just a shortened season of like just a few games. I can't remember the exact number, but it's I think it's 60. Is it 60? Which is scary and weird. And baseball and soccer both are not as close contact of sports. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like basketball is more dangerous right now and maybe even hockey. Anything played indoors is more dangerous. And even football where there's a lot more contact. I know there's some contact in baseball and soccer, but not as much. And I feel like it would be easier to make these sports happen, but I still kind of worry about it. But something that I got to thinking about when I was reading some things about the baseball season being shortened and, and kind of a little bit like the soccer thing of being in bubbles and whatnot, 
was that something that I used to like when I was super little was to listen to Reds games on the radio and not even oh to, that's cute not even to actually pay too much attention but kind of as as a thing to go to sleep well the the announcers that I liked when I was little are not obviously announcers anymore and I was like is there a way to find old Reds games on like YouTube or something <laughs> and I think there actually are not a lot but I kind of want to put this out to listeners. If you are aware of any archive of free-to-listen old radio versions of baseball games, especially Cincinnati Reds, send us an email or tweet at us because I'm kind of curious how to, <laughs> how to find those because I think that would be super relaxing and make the summer feel a little more normal in a way. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will try to take a look for stuff like that. Okay. That is really interesting that you brought that up because one of the kind of strange things about the challenge cup is that there are no fans allowed in the stadium and anyone who's there is just other team members so i think last night i was watching a game and the announcer was like there are not even 100 people in the stands but what happens is they layer over like a crowd noise and it's really we can't figure out like if we like it or not oh that's (laughs) like a like almost like a laugh track on us yeah, That's yeah. Weird. I mean, it's just constant. But like, the funny thing is, it sort of acts like a real crowd when the players get close to scoring, like the sound goes up. And I'm just like, is there someone just with this little soundboard? He's just <laughs> like, I don't understand how it works. And I don't really understand. Like, I can't figure out if I like it. So I'll have to. Oh, that's that's hard. Well, otherwise, maybe they've tried it out without that and found it just as eerie and not good. Like, I'm kind of not super enjoying watching. I watch a lot of little segments from late night shows. I'll watch like segments from Seth Meyers and Stephen Colbert and like uh, Samantha Bee and stuff and and John Oliver. And they don't have audiences anymore. And they each do it slightly differently, but there's no, there's nobody reacting. And something I noticed with Hasan Minaj's Netflix show, because he used to have an audience on his show too. And his production team is like, popping in some strange little sound effects sometimes, <laughs> like little noises to punctuate a joke or something. And I kind of hate it. I love his show, but I that's something that isn't quite working for me. And something I'm noticing about the other guys is that they come off a little more ranty and less funny without an audience. Like okay. their yeah. jokes seem more angry. So I wonder if there's something <laughs> about like playing sports in a empty stadium that feels sort of like it's acknowledging something's wrong. And maybe that's like not seen as being a good motivating happy thing i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know either because i mean a the players can't hear it right so i think that if you're gonna play it i feel like you would play it for the players so that they had that atmosphere that they're used to but then the other thing is they have paused it a few times i can't remember what the exact circumstances were but they've paused it a few times and it's basically just the the players like shouting at each other to communicate so like there's still noise and it's interesting, but yeah, it's it's just a, a kind of a it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, that's really. And if anyone works on production on the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if baseball ends up doing something similar because I think mm-hmm. that would be weird. But we'll see. Okay. Yeah, keep tabs on it. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now that we spent a lot of time on sports, (laughs) you want to talk about music Mm -hmm. and your interesting rhizomatic approach. Yeah. So can you explain that? Okay. So let me let me back up a little bit. (laughs) So a rhizome 
if anybody is a botanist, (laughs) it's a subterranean plant stem that sends out roots and shoots from its nodes. So it's like creeping rootstocks. But I'm not talking of it in the literal sense like that. It's also a philosophical concept. And I won't go too deep into this. You can look it up if you're interested. But they based it on the idea of a botanical rhizome in that it's a theory about research that allows for multiple entries and exits and non-hierarchical entries into data and interpreting that data. And the way I'm using it here is even looser than that, where there's a million different ways to find something and get interested in something and enter into some kind of conversation. So something that I like to do is try to discover new music or link different types of music or genres, eras, styles, etc. And something that I was doing recently was I was writing, I was working on writing something that was set in 1979, a segment of my sequel to The Curiosity Killers, actually. And I was working on editing it and I'm like, I need some 1979 music, but I need to listen to something that is not super distracting. So I wanted to listen to some jazz, instrumental jazz specifically. So I went on Wikipedia and looked up 1979 in jazz, and they have a list of every jazz album released that year. And because jazz is, it's a you know big genre, but it's not as big of a genre. It's a manage, it was a manageable list. So I made myself a Spotify playlist and just put it on shuffle, and I'm working away. And every so often, I'm like, ooh, that song's good, and I'm hitting the little heart button on every song that I end up liking. And then I noticed that I'm hearting a lot of songs by this woman, Bobby Humphrey. And I have never heard of her, uh, but she, she is still alive. She's an American jazz singer, but also flutist. And her music is specifically jazz, fusion, funk, and soul jazz. So I was like, oh, I really am digging everything she's doing. So then I look her up and look up influences and other stuff. And through her, I discovered um, this other jazz musician Mark Moulin, who is from Belgium. And it just kind of spoked out from there. Mark Moulin was in a Mm -hmm. band called Placebo, which is not the British band Placebo. But then I was like, ooh, the British band Placebo. And then I got in a little whirlwind of listening to the other Placebo. Anyway, so my point is (laughs) that you, if you're having trouble breaking out of either listening to different music genres or artists that you may not know, or even looking at books that are interesting, I really recommend actually going in, even if it's just to their Wikipedia page, and looking at things like influences, related artists, related authors, Mm -hmm. etc., related genres, looking up a year and just listening to all the albums released from that year. And I've done similar things like that before, like on, oh, I wonder what all the albums released the year I was born were. So I'll just (laughs) listen to all of those albums. And it, in many ways in many cases, has brought me to stuff that I wouldn't have ordinarily known about at all or sought out or whatever. And I just, I worry sometimes that there's not a lot of people consuming older media, especially older, more obscure music. And I think this could be a way, if you think to yourself, I'd really like to get into an older artist or or an artist who maybe passed away and has like a complete catalog from start to finish. You know, it's something that you can finitely consume and get into. So that's one way to do it is to just kind of find something, find an entry point and explore it in a non-linear fashion. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for explaining that. (laughs) Um, That reminds me of Pandora, 
which kind of got lost in the shuffle. I think Spotify kind of beat it out. But I used to listen to Pandora a lot. And the thing that I really liked about it was you could pick a station based on an artist you liked. So I don't know, I would pick Nora Jones or someone. And it gives you similar songs by other people. Mm Mm-hmm. And they do have algorithms, and I think they will explain it to you. Like, if you click on it, it'll be like, we picked this song because it has, I don't know, harmonious low notes like the other one you picked. So, yeah, (laughs) and stuff like that. And I haven't been listening to it recently, but that's how I often would find new artists back in college a lot. I would just be like, ooh, I like this song. And then I'd go look up that person. Yeah. So it's a similar process. Well, and I actually had a friend in high school who did this thing that I thought was really cool. He liked the movie Pump Up the Volume and he liked the soundtrack. And so he bought the soundtrack, but then he bought one album from each artist who was on the soundtrack. Oh. And I still remember that to this day because I was like, that is such a good way to like explore, you know, find a various artist's compilation whether it's a soundtrack or something else and then just explore those artists and then kind of explore related artists so yeah very cool and i i do still i do still have a pandora account but i i find that i don't listen to it as much since i got spotify and that's a shame spotify does have something similar that's like artist radio but there's still a little bit more like a set playlist and less organic the the thing i do like about spotify is the discover weekly playlist that's curated for mm-hmm. you. And I've noticed they've upped that a little bit to make daily playlists of different things that you're commonly listening to. So, but it is a little bit, it's not as easy to kind of just get stuff recommended to you on Spotify as it is Pandora. So yeah. Right. Well, neat. Thanks. So you've been doing something fun. You've been reading some mystery novels, right? Yeah. And, and watching some mystery TV too. So every once in a while I go through a little phase And I just like mysteries a lot. So I went to the woods a couple weeks ago, like, you know, and I got some reading done. So I read a couple mysteries. I read Murder on the Breakers, which is a historical mystery set in Gilded Age Newport. And then when I came back, I was kind of in this mystery kick. So I picked up Vera again, which is a British series. Brenda Blevin plays Vera Stanhope, and she's kind of, um, she's a little bit curmudgeon-y, but, but she's very smart, and she's a detective. You know, it's just a basic case of, of the week, sort of, but they're 90 minutes long, so it's a kind of like a little self-contained movie. So I've been watching those, and that's, that's very cool. Except I've been watching them on Hoopla, and Hoopla doesn't have season three. Oh no! <laughs> but they have season four, five, and six or something. So I got the week trial of Acorn TV because uh-huh. I thought it was on there and it wasn't. Oh, no! <laughs> it was on, it's on BritBox. So they're, they're just too many streaming things. But while I was exploring Acorn TV, I found a British series called No Offense with a C. And it centers around three women. So like the head of the police department and the sergeant and then one of the detectives. And each season has an overarching storyline but then each episode or almost each episode has its own little mystery so so those have been fun one of the books that i've read recently is in the plot is murder by vm burns whom we know from our grad school program i know we mentioned that a lot (laughs) (laughs) this one is the first in a series that's six books long so far it's called the mystery bookshop series it's about samantha washington who 
is recently widowed and she quits her job as a teacher to open a mystery bookstore, which is why it's called the Mystery Bookshop series. Mm-hmm. And there are two cute little poodles on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> and they factor into the story. Their names are Snickers and Oreo. Oh, cute. <laughs> and they're very cute. So what happens is she is transitioning into being a bookshop owner and she bought this building for the bookshop and then she lives above it now and she was having issues with the realtor because her offer was accepted but then he kind of started doing everything he could to not let the deal go through and she was like this is weird and bizarre and they you know were butting heads a lot and then when the story picks up he comes to try to talk to her one night and she doesn't want to talk to him because she's very angry so she turns him away, and then the next morning she finds him dead on her lawn. <gasps> yeah, so <laughs> kind of kicks off the story. Obviously, she's not a cop. She's a teacher and a bookstore owner, so it's a cozy mystery. Uh-huh. And she enlists the help of her grandma, Nana Joe. And Nana Joe enlists the help of her girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this kind of like kooky little group of older women who who help out Samantha and yeah it's just it's funny it's cute and one of the things that I really liked about it was Samantha is also working on a book in her spare time so there's a mystery within a mystery oh cool yeah it's very neat she's investigating this mystery in real life she's also writing a mystery on the page and it's a historical mystery and yeah it was just really cool I can't say whether I liked one storyline better than the other because they're both very different Mm -hmm. but there is that common thread of you know solving the the plot so yeah it's very cool i'll probably definitely pick up the next book in the series so yeah and you've been reading a little bit of mystery too right yes and also i've been meaning to get into vm burns books i think i gifted that first book to my mom one christmas um and i've been meaning to actually read them myself too but yeah i for some kind of reason and we'll maybe talk about the reasons why we were doing this but I decided I'm just gonna get the complete the complete Sherlock Holmes like every Sherlock Holmes thing because I found an edition on Kindle that had all the novels and and original stories for 49 cents so wow (laughs) and I've I've read some of it before but not all like kind of at once so I skipped over a study in Scarlet because I had read that a couple years ago and I remembered it pretty well and went straight to the sign of the four which is the second book and it was from 1890 and I'm not done with it yet but I feel like I've either read bits of this or read a summary of it before because it seems really familiar but there is something really comforting about it and I kind of like Sherlock Holmes stuff generally like I I watch Sherlock and I've watched some of Elementary not all of it and I used to watch the old Jeremy Brett British Sherlock Holmes films but it is very you know like there's not a lot of emotion in it it's just sort of like direct and kind of the the Victorian setting is comforting and just sort of thinking through a problem logically is comforting. So right. Yeah. So why do you think maybe mysteries are are something that you're into right now? Well, right now, especially in my personal life, but then in the world at large, there's a lot that's unresolved and doesn't seem like it will get resolved soon. There's a lot of uncertainty is what (laughs) is what I'm trying to get at. And then I went on vacation and I really just was like, I need answers. (laughs) (laughs) So what I really like about mysteries in particular is that, you know, you have a question 
at the beginning and by the end it is definitely solved (laughs) (laughs) and there's just some something really comforting about that definitiveness that that closure i agree yeah i think that's that's probably why i was like i started the sherlock holmes book after finishing a book about a pandemic and i'm like no i think we're we're gonna shift (laughs) gears a little bit actually i'd read two back-to-back pandemic related books so having something that's a little more that's not smart (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean cozy mysteries or locked room mysteries or detective stories where there is definitely going to be closure to the case are very satisfying yeah it kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive because you are talking about books about death essentially Uh but i think just the the closure that you get overrides the the discomfort around death. And a cozy mystery doesn't usually linger on the death part so much. It's about mm-hmm. solving it as a puzzle, which you could argue is is in some ways a little creepy, but it also <laughs> I think that's why it's viewed a different way than like a thriller or a true procedural murder thing. It's it's mm-hmm. different. It's a different genre. For sure. And if if y'all got some cozy mysteries to recommend, yes, send them my way. Yes. So moving on from mysteries, you have a story in a recent anthology called Dark Lane Anthology Volume 9, right? So can you tell us about that? Yes, this is not a cozy mystery. This is not, yeah, this is much stranger and it's much more of a horror anthology. Dark Lane is a publisher and they've got obviously eight previous anthologies. (laughs) And so I'm in Volume 9 along with 23 other authors. And the main linking thing is they're all horror stories mostly from American and British, and I think also some Canadian authors. And my story is called parasomnia, which is a term that mostly encompasses like sleep disorders. But the story is about this woman. It's set in the 80s, in a nebulous time in the 80s. This woman is a uh, therapist in California, and she has dreams where she flashes back to her previous life where she had been a Lovecraftian old one. Ooh. <laughs> and it kind of goes from there. It's a pretty short story. It's something I had originally written for a flash fiction contest, so it's technically pretty short. But the thing that was cool about that was that I had originally written it based on a visual prompt of very, very creepy Halloween costumes from like the turn of the century, <laughs> turn of the 20th century. And it just reminded me so much of like some kind of weird elder gods sort of thing. And and then I was listening to, when I was writing it, I was listening to like a new wave playlist on Spotify and the Smith song, How Soon Is Now came up and I was like, oh, something about the 80s. How can I mix the 80s with like these Lovecraft things? And <laughs> it just kind of came out. So So it is weirdly influenced by both like an LA 80s sensibility and and Lovecraft. So I don't know. <laughs> well, that sounds creepy and yet like something I'd be into. Yeah. Is that available now? It is available now. The Kindle edition is now available. I think it is 99 cents or $1.99. It's it's also available for free on Kindle Unlimited. And I think the paperback edition is on pre-order, but it is coming very soon. So it's Dark Lane Anthology, volume nine, and it's edited by Tim Jeffries. So... You can look for that. And I'm actually, I have not read some of their other, their volumes one through eight. So I'm actually thinking about picking some of those up. But the thing about horror is I think that 
short story horror collections can also be a thing of this like rhizomatic finding stuff that you like. So like if you if you pick up an anthology and you end up liking one of the authors in it, you know, check out their bio, see what else they've written, and maybe get into that author. So yeah, that's very true. I would say for all anthologies. Yes, absolutely. Any any genre. So yeah, next time, we're gonna be talking about The Handmaid's Tale jumanji the next level and some other fun stuff to be determined our theme music is by joseph mcdade you can find me on twitter at kw taylor writer and me on twitter at carrie gessner and you can find us together on twitter at pause pop podcast if you'd rather email us you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com thanks for listening stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of pause pop <laughs>